0: Swami Nikhilanand is a disciple of Jagat Guru Shri Kripaluji Maharaj. He resides at Radha Mahadav Dham in Austin, Texas which is the US Ashram of Jagat Guru Kripalu Parishad. He travels America preaching the philosophy of Sanatan Dharma as taught by Shri Kripaluji Maharaj. In this series of lectures, Swami Nikhilanand explains the three paths to God, Karma, Gyan and Bhakti. He reveals the scriptural teachings behind each path and tells which path is the best one to follow. So far in this series, I explained to you that the goal of every soul is twofold. We say Maya Nivritti and Paramananda Prapti. So one Nivritti and one Prapti. Nivritti means freedom from and Prapti means to attain something. Maya Nivritti, freedom from Maya and everything that goes along with it, all of the uh, problems, all of the suffering. So total freedom from pain and suffering, that's maya nivritti. And prapti we want anand. Anand means perfect happiness. So paramananda Param paramanand, the supreme happiness. That's what we want. I also told you that supreme happiness is only in God or God Himself is that Anand. So, if we attain Him, we get both. If you attain God, you are free from Maya and you get Paramananda Prapti. So, to do this, we have to receive God's grace. No soul can attain God without receiving His grace. To receive His grace, we have to become surrendered to Him, and to become surrendered, we have to follow a path to God. So, accordingly, our scriptures tell us that there are three main paths to God, karma, jnana, and bhakti. So I explain that both karma and jnana are incomplete without bhakti, because karma on its own is just good actions. And good actions keep a person attached in the world, even though they're better than bad actions. So if you add bhakti in, bhakti meaning attachment of the mind to God, and having the goal of God-realization in your heart while you perform the good actions, that becomes karma yoga. Those actions are offered to God, and they become... The means of heart purification And the means of attaining God But it's the bhakti part That results in the God-realization The physical good actions Are incidentally Associated with it But the, the amrit The thing that makes you immortal That's the bhakti We found the same thing with jnanmar That jnana on its own Can only take a person up to The stage of atma jnan and if you add bhakti in, only then the gyani becomes a jnani yogi and by surrendering to God he can get liberation and he can merge into formless God. So both karma and jnani depend on bhakti which makes bhakti the supreme path which stands alone and it's also a path which can be followed by everybody. And we also saw... That even after becoming liberated and experiencing the bliss of formless God, those dhyanis and yogis desired to experience the bliss of the personal form of God. So in every way, from the ease and naturality of the path to the ultimate attainment that it takes you to, bhakti is taught. Now, there are a couple of doubts. Even after everything I've explained, there are a few doubts which many people hold about bhakti. So, I'm going to address these before I go deeper into exactly what bhakti is. First of all, some people wonder that nāti sakto nā bhakti yoga bhakti siya siddhida It means bhakti is for everybody. Ordinary people who are neither 100% attached nor very renounced from the world, we're just ordinary people and we're qualified for bhakti. Yet our scriptures have given great importance to jnana and vairagya, knowledge and detachment. So such ordinary people who are qualified for the path of bhakti, how will they also gain jnana and vairagya? Because we're assuming, just take a normal person who maybe doesn't have much knowledge, doesn't have much renunciation, he's qualified to start on the path of bhakti. So will he ever get jnana and vairagya? Our scriptures say yes. (laughs) Vasudeve bhagavati bhakti yoga Prayojita janayat tyāśu vairāgyam jñānanca yadahaitukam and vairāgya come from bhakti. If you just do bhakti, you will get knowledge and renunciation. Bhakti pareśānu bhavo virakti ranyatra traiśatrika ekakala. PRAPADYAMANAS YAYATASHNATA SYUSTUSHTIH CHUDAPAYO NUGHASAM BHAGUTAM Deidav says that all three rise together, bhakti, jnana, and vairagya. How? See, bhakti means you're attaching your mind to God. We'll talk about the actual process of how you do that later. But if you're attaching your mind to God, it's becoming purified, and you're getting an experience of your actual relationship with God. You're actually experiencing God. Now, you're not experiencing God in totality like you do after God realization, but you're getting some reflection of that experience of what God is and your relationship with God. So you're gaining experience, and your heart is purifying. Now, what ends up happening is, you see, as you attach your mind to God and it purifies, you're receiving God's grace. So, however much you're surrendered to God, that much of His grace you receive and that much jnana you get automatically. If you're experiencing God, that's knowledge. You're getting real knowledge, not just theory. So, knowledge comes from doing bhakti. And vairagya is a natural consequence because the more you experience God, the more happiness you'll get from that and the less your mind will be attracted to the world because you're getting what you were looking for anyway. Your mind is only looking for happiness from the world, so if it's getting that happiness from God, then why would it keep looking towards the world for that happiness? However much bhakti we have, jnana and vairagya follow naturally. You don't have to do anything extra to get jnana or vairagya, just do bhakti. This verse from Bhagavatam said, when you eat the food, and the food is actually broken down by that jatragni, the fire of digestion in your stomach. So it becomes ras, it becomes rakt, It enters your blood, from there it goes and it nourishes all of your body. So just by eating the food, you're reducing your hunger, you're satisfying yourself, you feel full, and you're nourishing your whole body. Three things at once. Do you have to know how it's all happening internally? No, just eat the food. Same thing. Do bhakti and you get jnana and vairagya automatically. These are the words of Vyas. So that's doubt number one about bhakti. That can you get jnana and vairagya as an ordinary person if you're doing bhakti? The answer is yes. Doubt number two. There's something mentioned in the Upanishads and also in the Yoga Darshan. The Pancha Kosh. Five material layers covering a soul, like an onion. You know how an onion has layers. So the middle part is covered by a layer, and another layer on top of that, and another layer on top of that. Five layers of Maya cover the soul. Annamaya Kosha, means a layer or a covering. Pranamaya Kosha, Manomaya Kosha, Vijnanamaya and Anandamaya Kosha. So our scriptures say no one can get liberated from maya unless they free themselves from these kosh. And the means of doing that is jnana and yoga. So the one who is doing bhakti, how will he free himself from these pancha kosh? Vedavyasji again gives us the answer. Jarayatya Shuyakosham. nigirna. Manalo Yatha Bhagavatam Again referring to the Jatharagni He says In Bhakti you develop love and attachment for Krishna And that also takes the form of Viraha Paramabhyakulateti Naraji says You long to meet God That longing is called Viraha and it has a heat. So the heat of your viraha burns all five of those kosh. So as you rise higher on the path of bhakti, that viraha agni becomes very intense. It actually burns all the impurities of the heart, all the past karmas, the pancha Everything is burnt through that fire of longing to meet Krishna. So that's doubt number two. What Does a, does a Bhakti have to do anything extra or different in order to free himself from the Panchakosh? Nope, just do Bhakti. Doubt number three. Some people, they wonder that Bhakti sounds a lot like desire. And isn't desire a bad thing? You see, the way I've described Bhakti to you is that uh, don't finish your material desires divert them towards god so don't stop desiring just desire god instead for instance everyone loves to see something or someone beautiful you want that visual scene or beauty when we see that it makes us feel happy that's a desire so On the path of bhakti, this is contrary to the path of jñāna. On the path of jñāna, what would you be told? There's no happiness in beauty. Stop desiring beauty. It's all in your mind. It's just a material happiness. Stop desiring beauty. That's the path of jñāna. Is that correct? Yes, it's correct. Technically, there's no real happiness in material beauty. But bhakti says... No, it's natural to desire happiness and it's natural to desire beauty. But why don't you desire to see Krishna's beauty? It's uncountable times more beautiful than the greatest beauty of this world anyway. So you want beauty? Why not desire Krishna's beauty? So any desire you have can be redirected in this same way. So you're not stopping desires, you're just directing them towards God this is bhakti so desiring the world is natural and desiring the desiring god is bhakti so we already do bhakti of the world full time bhakti of the world we full time desire the world so if we desire god the same nature of our mind to desire gets turned into bhakti so the question is which gyanis ask that so desire for God is just still desire isn't that wrong isn't it bad Shri Krishna himself gives the answer mayaveshitadhiam kama kamay kalpate bharjita tvadhana prayo He says the effect, this is from the Bhagavatam, the effect of material desire and devotional desire is very different chittam Vishayeshu Vishajate Mamanusmarataścittam Mayyevapraviliyate Bhagavatam Shri Krishna says If you desire the world You multiply your worldly attachments And mental impurity And if you lovingly remember him And desire him Your mind gets attached to him And that actually purifies your mind So in the previous shlok, what he was saying is that desire for God burns all the impurities of the mind. He used the example of, uh, let's say you have a, a seed, like a wheat seed. So normally if you put that seed in the ground and water it, it will sprout. So that sprouting is like a desire sprouting, a worldly desire. But he says desire for God is like if you put that seed in the oven and cook it. Then it doesn't matter. Toss it into the field, water it all you want, it's never going to sprout. Similarly, desiring God finishes worldly desires forever. So desire for God is a pure thing. And desiring the world multiplies our mental bondage by multiplying our attachments in the world. So worldly desire is natural, we all know about it, but what we may not have known is that desiring God is just as natural. We can just turn those desires towards God and then those very same desires have a purifying effect and ultimately they have a liberating effect. A desire can liberate you from maya if it's a desire for God. So, this is doubt number three, clarified about the path of bhakti. Doubt number four is a big one. What about liberation? You keep telling me about bhakti, but don't jnanis and yogis get liberation? Can a bhakti actually get liberated by doing bhakti? So remember back to the philosophy I told you about when I explained Gyanmarg. Shankaracharya himself said, Tada hetu naiva He says, God, I got liberated through your grace. And how did I get your grace? karana samagriam bhakti tireva gariyasi. Bhakti eva means bhakti only. Gariyasi is supreme. Shankaracharya says, it's the mokchakarana samagriam. It's the reason for getting liberation is bhakti. (laughs) So bhakti gives the jnani liberation as well. Why wouldn't a bhakti get liberation? Yet, the bhakt doesn't want liberation kaag <speaking> bhushundi <in the> maangu var ati prasanna mohi jana anima dik siddhi aparnidhi moksha sakal sukha bhagwan ram says to his devotee kaag bhushundi ji That I'm very pleased with you today, so ask for a boon, I'll give you anything. And he makes some recommendations. You could ask for Animadik Siddhi. The eight great yogic siddhis. They're so powerful, yet they're mayak powers, but they're great powers. Aparanidhi means untold wealth also a material thing. Okay, you're not into material yogic powers or material wealth. Why don't you ask for moksh, liberation? So Pag Bhushundi said, Avirala Bhakti Vishuddha Tava Shruti Purana Jehi Gava Jehi Kho Yogi Shamuni My Lord, I don't desire any of those things you recommended to me. The last and highest of those being moksha, liberation. I don't want liberation. In fact, what I want is your avirala bhakti. See, he's being offered liberation and he says, I don't want liberation, I want bhakti. Yet, bhakti karati gosahi mukuti gusai, ana avat bariay. Mukti comes anyway. The Bhakti may not want it, but he gets liberation anyway. Think of it like a package deal. If you get Bhakti, if you get God, liberation comes automatically. You're freed from Maya automatically. Yet, Bhukti Mukti Sprihaya pishachi Those who have attained Bhakti, this is a verse from Bhakti Risamrit Sindhu by Rupa Goswami. He says Mukti is a Dakini, churel, a demoness, a witch. Mukti, liberation. Can you imagine? This is a rustic saint treating liberation like that. <laughs> Another verse from Bhagavatam says <laughs> Nanaka prishtam nachasarva bhaumam, naparameshthyam namahendradhishnyam, na yoga siddhir bhavunar bhavamba. Na yoga this verse says, The one who has attained bhakti does not even desire for liberation, let alone yogic siddhis or some great mayak seat, like becoming indra or becoming brahma. Shri Krishna also says in the Bhagavatam, Sārśti sāmi pya sālokya sarupya katvam apyuta diyamanam nagrihananti vināmatsevanam janā. Even if I try to give mukti to one of my devotees, he won't take it. He said there's actually five kinds of mukti. One is ekatva, where the jnani merges into formless God. The other four, he maintains his personality. But Krishna says whether it's that advaita mukti or the other four dvait muktis, the bhakti doesn't want any of those five. What does he want? He wants bhakti. In fact, he says seva. Vinamat sevanam jana. The root of bhakti, Sanskrit root word, is bhaj sevayam. It means the true meaning of bhakti is seva, service. So Krishna says, My bhakt, my devotee, he just desires to serve me so in order to serve me he needs to maintain his personality you see the thing about what the gyanis attain yes initially they experience formless god i told you that when the gyani has purified his heart then he surrenders to god through bhakti god graces him and in that moment he becomes freed from all the mayaic bondages. He's liberated. He's jeevanmukt. And now he, in his pure mind, he experiences or conceives of in his mind his oneness with formless God. So he experiences Brahmanand, the bliss of formless God. But what I didn't tell you is that only lasts for as long as he's on the Earth planet. Because on the basis of what is he experiencing? On the basis of his purified, mayik mind, his antahkaran. The jnani never receives a divine mind, or a divine body, or divine senses. So his soul, right now all of our souls are inhabiting physical, material bodies. We have material senses, and we have a material mind. So when the jnani fully purifies his material mind, then with God's grace he's able to experience the bliss of formless God. Then what happens once his time in this body is finished? Then he leaves his body, he leaves his mind, and he merges into formless God, never to experience anything ever again. Why not? Because he has no mind or senses or body. How is he going to experience without all of that? So he loses his personal identity. Yet he still exists within God. He doesn't become God. No soul ever becomes God, but the jnani merges into formless God. But for all intents and purposes, his personality is finished because he's not aware of his own self. He's not experiencing anything. So this is why those saints are saying that this mukti, this desire for liberation, it's a bad thing. Even though it, it's a divine state, but who would want that? Who would want to finish their personality forever? Yet, some do desire that, and they attain liberation. But once they attain liberation, they remain bereft of bhakti forever. So, now you understand this fourth doubt about liberation, that the bhakti is liberated from maya, but in addition to being liberated from maya, he receives a divine body, mind and senses with which he experiences God forever with all of his five senses so he doesn't finish his personality, he makes his personality divine so he's liberated and more now the question is what is this bhakti that I keep talking about this bhakti is actually a divine power of god satyam jnanam manantam brahma taittiriya upanishad god has unlimited powers everything about god is unlimited anantaatma vishwarupohya karta trayam yadavindate brahma me tat shvetashvat upanishad he is Anant. So he has unlimited powers. Ananta shaktiyan. But out of those, Krishna, ananta shakti, tate, tin, pradhan, chit shakti, maya shakti, jiva shakti naam, antaranga, bahiranga, tatastha, Kahijare antaranga swarupa shakti upare this is from Chaitanya Charitamrit the life history of Chaitanya Mahaprabhuji so this is a quote from Chaitanya Mahaprabhuji where he says that out of Krishna's uncountable powers three are main those three are Swarup shakti maya shakti and Jeev shakti. Swarup shakti is referred to with the word antaranga. It means his internal power, his personal power. Maya shakti is referred to with the term bahiranga. It's his external power. And souls, jiva shakti, they're referred to with the term tatastha. It means that souls are not part of God's internal power, Swarup Shakti, nor are they part of Maya, because Maya is a lifeless energy. We're not lifeless. So, nor are we part of Maya, nor are we part of God's personal power. We're in between. So, out of God's uncountable powers, these three are main the cosmic power, Maya, the souls, Jeev Shakti and Swarup Shakti, God's personal power. So let's leave Maya aside and let's leave the souls aside. Just look at Swarup Shakti, God's personal power. Vishnu Puran says Vishnu Shakti Parapropta Chetragya Khyatatha Para Avidya Karma Tritiya Shakti Rishyate These three powers of God, Vishnu Purana also refers to Swarup Shakti, Jeev Shakti, Maya Shakti. Okay, now leave Maya and leave Jeev Shakti. Look at Swaroop Shakti. Chaitanya Charitamrit says Sat Chit Ananda Krishner Swarup, Atayeva Swaroop Shakti Hoya Tina Roop Sadanshe Sandhini Chidanshe Anandanse Hladini Jare Gyan Karimani. Since God is Sat Chit Anand, God has three qualities Sat, Chit, and Anand. I explained this to you previously. Thus, God's personal power has three facets, you can say Sat facet of Swarup Shakti, Chit facet of Swarup Shakti and Anand Facet. So because you have Sad Bram Chit Bram Anand Bram. So you also have Sat Swarup Shakti Chit Swarup Shakti Anand Swarup Shakti. Now the Sat Swarup Shakti actually manifests as a power called Sandhini Shakti. God's almighty power. Through this power, He creates and maintains the whole universe. So that's the Sat part of His personal power. So the Swarup Shakti, that Sat quality it causes the swarup shakti to manifest as sandhini shakti, his almighty power. The Chit quality of God. That, in that quality, in that form, the swarup shakti manifests as samvit shakti. That is God's total, complete knowledge, his omniscience. That's because of samvit shakti. And the Ananda aspect that manifests as Ahladini Shakti, that's the power of bliss. It's through this power of bliss that God remains ever blissful no matter how many duties He has. Think about it, you remain stressed just in your small little family. Maybe just husband and wife and a couple of kids and a few relatives. Ten or twenty people maximum. And that's enough to keep you stressed out for your whole day. Now think of God. God has to look after this entire universe and all of the souls in it. Keeping track of all of their actions and giving them the consequences of those actions. His family is unlimited. And yet, while he's looking after all of them, he never feels stressed out. That's because of Ahladini Shakti. He's always blissful, no matter what the situation. So, his Swarup Shakti manifests in these three forms. Sandhini Shakti, Sambit Shakti, and Ahladini Shakti. Now, because Anand is supreme, Sat and Chit merge into Anand. Therefore, Ahladini, the power of bliss, is supreme among those three. Now, Ahladini Shakti also has an essence. Ahladini Sar Anchatar Premanam. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Ji says, Ahladini Shaktera Paramasar Taro Premanam. The essence of Aladini Shakti is preem and another word for preem is bhakti. Puja, can you take that outside? Another word for preem is bhakti. So that bhakti that I've been talking about, think of it like the ghee See, out of all of God's powers, three were main. Swarup Shakti, Maya Shakti, Jiv Shakti. Then Swarup Shakti being supreme because it's God's personal power. We looked at Swarup Shakti and Swarup Shakti has three parts. Sat, Chit and Anand. So you can say, take that Anand part of Swarup Shakti. That's dud, that's milk. Now the essence of Anand Brahm is Ahladini Shakti. So that's like Makkhan. Out of the milk you took the essence. The essence is the butter, the Makkhan. Now the essence of the Makkhan is ghee. So the essence of Ahladini Shakti is Prem, or it's also called Prema Bhakti. So that Bhakti is the essence of the essence of the essence of God's personal power. There's nothing beyond that bhakti. It's the supreme power in the divine world. So is it any wonder that God himself would be under that power? You see, there's a a kram, there's a sequence. God himself is under bhakti. And under God is liberation, Under liberation is jñāna. Under jñāna is karma. And under karma are all the souls. So, under bhakti, God. Under God, liberation. Under liberation, jñāna. Under jñāna, karma. Under karma, all the souls. In other words, bhakti is beyond God. Even though it's His power, it's not some other power. This is why... Kaag Bhushundi was asking for that bhakti. Said, You're trying you're trying to give me liberation, Ye chalaki hai. See, Veda says, Muktim dadati karhichit smana bhakti yogam. Bhagavatam. Oh, God is very quick to give mukti. You want liberation? Oh sure, he's so happy to give you liberation. Why? Because he doesn't want to give you bhakti think of it this way let's say you have one password for everything the same password for your email account the same password for your online banking same password for everything maybe in 15 or 20 different locations and let's say someone asked you for that password You'd be very reluctant to hand that out because you're handing over the key to everything. Once you give him that, you've opened yourself up to everything. That's what bhakti is. If God gives you bhakti, he's given you everything. Why? Because (laughs) Aham bhakt paradhino hyasvatantra evadvija Sādhu Bhirgrasta Hridayo Bhaktair bhakta Janapriya. Bhagavatam. Shri Krishna says, When I give that bhakti to my bhakti, then they've captured my heart, and I am paradhin to them. Paradhin means like the opposite of independent. If you're independent, you don't care, nobody can tell you anything, you can do anything, whatever you want. But once he gives bhakti to a soul, now that soul, just like the gopis can make Krishna dance, Mother Yashoda can tie him up to the ukal. How does all of that happen? Because Krishna gave them bhakti. So he knows, once I give a soul this bhakti, to meri will hogi <laughs> So, this bhakti is a great thing, the greatest thing. It is desired by all the saints, all the yogis, all the gyanis. But the question is, how do we get it? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Ji says, Nitya Siddha Krishna Prema Sadhya Kabhunaya. He says, you cannot attain that divine love, that preem, that bhakti. Sadhya means, say, let's say there's a sadhana. Sadhana means the means, the practice that you do to accomplish or attain something. So the sadhana is the means and the sadhya is the goal, the attainment. He says, that bhakti, o sadhya neya, you cannot attain it. There's no sadhana that you can do to attain it. Further, he says, Bhujanma yadikare shravan kirtan. Tabhu paya prem For many, many lifetimes, you can do shravan, what you're doing right now. Kirtan. Practice that sadhana for lifetimes, you'll never get that divine bhakti. Oh, yes, Ramayana says the same thing. Yaha guna sadhan nahi hoi, but tumhari kripa koi koi. Just like Kag Bhushundi said, Aviral Bhakti Vishuddhatava, Shruti Purana Jehi Gava, Jehi Kojata Yogi Shamuni, Prabhu Prasadakopava, Dehu Dayakari Rama. It's sought after, that divine bhakti is sought after by all the great yogis and it's praised in all of the scriptures and it is received only through the grace of God. Naradji says, "Labhyate It is only attainable through God's grace. In other words, there's no price. There's there's nothing we could do or accomplish that could uh, be the cause of us earning that divine bhakti. Yet, anyone who receives God's grace Yamevaish Vrinute Tenanabhyas Tasyaisha Atma Vivrinute Tanuvam Svam Kathopanishad says when God graces you, then you, you receive everything. So again, we come to a question. In that case, what's left for us to do? When God's going to grace us, He's going to grace us, right? If there's no sadhana. No, no, no. There is a sadhana. Tapa prabhava devaprasadacca. Shvetashvatara Upanishad says, You have to do bhakti to receive bhakti. Vedavyasji says the same thing in the Bhagavatam. Bhaktya Sanjataya Bhaktya. One bhakti you do and the other one you receive. In fact, again come to the original meaning of bhakti. Bhakti means bhajanam bhakti and bhajyate bhakti so that bhajanam bhakti that's the bhakti you receive it's a gift from God He just gives it to you but there's another bhakti bhajyate bhakti which you have to do and that's called sadhana bhakti so one is called siddha bhakti Siddha means it's a divine state You can't earn it or attain it But God will give it to you And the other bhakti is sadhana bhakti But why sadhana bhakti if we can't earn siddha bhakti? It's very simple God is ready and willing to give you that siddha bhakti But he's going to give it to you in here, into your heart So, to become qualified to receive it, we have to do sadhana bhakti, which purifies our heart. That's it. Sadhana bhakti is the bhakti we have to do, and by doing that bhakti, we purify our heart. And when our heart is 100% purified, then God gives us the divine bhakti. So, now you understand there are two bhaktis. Manakrama bachana chari chaturai bhajatahi kripa karatraghurai Ramayan, here Tulsidas ji mentions both. He says, become simple-hearted and bhajatahi do bhajan, do bhakti, that's sadhana bhakti. Then kripa karatraghurai. Ram will grace you. Sadhana Siddhi Ramapadanehu Such a simple statement of the Ramayana. But look at the deep philosophy in it. Sadhana and Siddhi Ramapadanehu Ramapadanehu means devotion or bhakti to Ram's feet is of two kinds. Sadhana and Siddhi. So that it means there's a bhakti we have to practice. And there's a divine bhakti that we receive. Let me just give you a little more detail. Right now you understand there's two bhaktis. There's actually ten states of bhakti. Two in the doing part. Sadhana bhakti is divided into sadhana bhakti and bhava bhakti. So when you do sadhana bhakti, you later enter into a stage called bhava bhakti, and when that stage reaches completion, then you receive divine bhakti, and divine bhakti is divided into eight different states, prema bhakti, sneha bhakti, mana bhakti, pranaya bhakti, raga bhakti, anuraga bhakti, bhavavesh bhakti, and mahabhava bhakti, eight states, higher and higher and higher. So a soul can reach up to bhava-vesh-bhakti, the seventh state. And you can say the beginning of mahabhava-bhakti. But mahabhava-bhakti is actually the seat, you can say Radharani's reserved seat. No soul reaches up that high. But we can go as far as bhava-vesh-bhakti or the very beginning of mahabhava-bhakti. These are all states of the divine bhakti. Now, that divine bhakti, you understand that that's a gift from God. It's the highest attainment that anyone could receive. That is the reason that devotees of God don't want liberation. See, in Bhagavatam, Veda starts the second shloka of the Bhagavat. Dharma Prodkaita paramo Nirmat Saranam Satam Ityadi. He says this what I'm teaching you in the Bhagavatam, this dharma of the Bhagavatam, the bhagavat Dharma, it's going to take you to the ultimate attainment. He's indicating that divine bhakti. It's going to take you all the way there, bypassing four kaitav. Kaitav means deceptions. Like if someone cheats you. So he says there are four deceivers that divert people from this goal of divine bhakti. So Shridharacharya, who was also a follower of Shankaracharya, he did... Vyakya of the Bhagavatam. It's called Shridhari Tika. It's the most famous explanation of the Bhagavatam. So, in his explanation, he says that those four Kaitava are Dharma, Arth, Kaam, and Moksh. <laughs> the four Purusharth. Traditionally, people think there's four aims of human life Dharma, Arth, and Kaam. This, you know, keeps you in the world, right? Palm and art, worldly desire, wealth. Okay, fine. You can have those things, but they're going to keep you in this world. Dharma, that will take you to Swarg, which is also under Maya. So those three are material things. And then moksha that takes you beyond. So all four of those are not Prem. They're not Bhakti. Now, out of these four, Chaitanya Mahaprabhuji says, Pradhan. Out of those four, the worst is mokch. You know why? Because if someone keeps following dharma artha kaam, it will keep them under maya, they'll keep circulating throughout the 8.4 species of existence. But they have a chance that one day they'll hear this philosophy, they may meet a true saint, they may follow the path of bhakti and attain the divine bhakti. That chance is there. But after getting moksh, that chance is finished. Nasapunaravartate, Nasapunaravartate. Ved says, you never come back when you get moksha. You merge into formless God, you never get another birth. So you're neither being born here, nor are you experiencing bhakti in the divine world. So that is why Chaitanya Mahaprabhuji says, Pancham Purusharth Sei Prem Mahadhan. There's a fifth Purusharth. And that is bhakti, preem. Purusharth, shiromani se preem, Mahadhan. The topmost goal that a soul could reach is preem, bhakti. So, you understand that that is our ultimate goal. Those who receive that divine bhakti, even God becomes subservient to them, it becomes paradin to them, in a sweet way, it, uh, you'll see in the days to come that it sets up a situation where the soul can experience a very sweet relationship and take part in very charming lila's of God because he's attained this divine bhakti. So we want that divine bhakti, that's our ultimate goal, which is even sought after by those gyanis and yogis who have attained brahmanand. We can make that our goal from now. We know that in order to attain that, we need to receive God's grace. And to receive God's grace, we have to purify our heart. And to purify our heart, we have to practice sadhana bhakti. So let's leave aside that Siddha Bhakti for now. We know that's coming to us through God's grace. What do we have to do? We have to do Sadhana Bhakti. So as I mentioned yesterday, Sadhana Bhakti has to be done in a certain way. There are conditions outlined by our scriptures that have to be followed. Even though Bhakti is easy... It's a simple path, yet there are certain points that have to be understood and then implemented as we practice sadhana bhakti for it to be successful, keeping in mind that the goal is to purify our heart. So from tomorrow we'll start looking at these conditions of sadhana bhakti so that we can learn how to practice it properly and get the results that we want.